Good morning. Don't let this freak you out at all, okay? If you grew up in my family, man, this was, I mean, it didn't matter whatever ball it was, we were throwing it. Uh, that's what we got in trouble for in my house when I was a kid, throwing balls in the house. And my dad was the biggest culprit of all. Thank you, Larry Taylor. Appreciate that very much. <clears throat> uh, let me take you back in time a little bit. Uh, it was the NFL championship game. It was December of 1960. Vince Lombardi and the Green Bay Packers, please, this is not a, a, about being Packer fan or a Lions fan. I would never do that in the preaching of the word. <laughs> Honest, I really, I, really, I really believe that. If this story was about the Lions, I would still tell it. Late in the fourth quarter, the Packers blew the lead in the championship game, 1960, December. Late in the fourth quarter, they let, they let the Philadelphia Eagles come from behind and beat them to win the championship. Now, fast forward six months. It's July 1961, and it's the first day of training camp. And Vince Lombardi has his players gathered there, and he is going to begin the season on that day, and he needs to make an impact on his players. These are the same players that were minutes from winning the championship. They were, they were minutes away from being the, the, the world champions. They were returning players. This was a great team. And these guys are excited. They've been thinking about that loss for six months. And I, any of you that were in sports, when you lose, sometimes they just stick in your craw and you can't get rid of it. That's the way these guys were. They were excited because they wanted to see Coach Lombardi take them to the next level in their development as a team. And they fully expected to win the championship that year. And so Lombardi comes to his team that day in July to begin training camp. And what he would say would absolutely stupefy his players. And yet it changed the NFL. It changed how football is coached. Gathered there with his team, he picked up a football and he said to these men who were moments from winning the championship just six months earlier, he said, gentlemen, this is a football. There was laughter from the team. Some guys in the, some guys, I can imagine them kind of on a knee with their one hand on their helmet said, coach, slow down for us. It's a little hard to keep up. Could you imagine that? Lombardi said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to assume that no one remembers anything from last year. I'm going to assume that over the course of the last six months, you've forgotten everything that you know. And we're starting over from scratch, and we're starting with the most basic fundamentals in football. This is a football. Now, it wasn't just a, an opening statement. 
Lombardi even taught them how to put on their socks and their cleats and how to tie their cleats properly. He took it all the way. You say, come on, these guys had to think this was absolutely crazy. You know what? They probably did. But I want you to know something. That in December of 1961, they beat the New York Giants. I believe it was 31 to nothing. And in the course of seven seasons, they won three world championships and two Super Bowls. And I believe that it was because Lombardi said, now we're going back to the basics like never before. What we're going to do over this month is we're going to talk about not football, although some of you would be like, man, that'd be the greatest series the pastor's ever preached. But we're going to talk about the basics. We're not going to take necessarily things for granted. We're going to talk about those things that are basic. You know, it takes time and it takes effort to to really develop anything in our lives. And, and to master the basics, we've got to pay a price in order to do that. But that price that we pay helps us to grow. And throughout this month, we're going to talk about things that, that we're saying, you know what, this is basic, but, but any of it, it's going to take effort. It's going to take time. It's going to take uh, uh, the ability to apply ourselves in order to learn those things. I've always shared with people, you know, if you want to do something, it only takes 21 days to develop a habit. I've, I've shared that for years. And, and I, I hate to tell you that I, I found out something to the contrary. I didn't realize that that was a 60s pop culture, uh, in a pop culture book called Psycho-Cybernetics. And recent study by the European Journal of Social Psychology uh, tells us that really to, to develop a habit takes more like 66 days. So more than three times what I had been thinking that it took. I thought, you know, hey man, just three weeks I can have a, I can have a, uh, a habit down good. But what they're saying, and, and some habits are easier to develop than others, anywhere between 18 and 251 days the study found. Some of you are like, I don't know if I want that good habit that bad to take 251 days to actually develop that habit. But some habits are worth it. This week I posed the question on social media because I, I wonder if it takes 66 days to develop a good habit, how long does it take to lose that good habit? You know what, there are some, I think sometimes it's one day. You might not have eaten sugar for a year and you have one taste of sugar and you are hooked again. Are you with me? I mean, that's just the reality. Some things, that's the way it is. But how long does it, does it take us to lose what we've gained? Because those gains are hard fought in our lives. How long does it take us to lose those gains? And I started thinking about our school teachers. Our school teachers right now, they, they're easy to see. Okay, they're easy to spot. Okay, they're, 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 they, they, they look like they're all together there, but there's just this, they've got a twitch. There's something right now that, that's going on. How many school teachers? Raise your hand if you're a school teacher. Come on, raise your hand. Come on, let's hear it for these people right now. They are amazing. They are amazing people, but they're a little stressed right now. 
Okay, you can tell the college, uh, the college people though, the people that are, that are assistant professors and professors right now, because they've got that calm, cool, collected look because they've been out of class since the beginning of May. Do you know what I'm talking about? Right, right? When my neighbor's truck starts showing up in his, uh, in his driveway, you know, every day of the week, the first week of May, I'm saying, Lord, why didn't you call me to work in the college setting? And then, and then I look at myself and I say, okay, I understand why not. But, but the idea that, that, that teachers, you know, when this time of year, okay, they're stressed, they're trying to get everything in, you know, they're trying to get everything done, and then they get that summer break, you know, and, and teachers, you love summer break? Okay, I, <laughs> they need it, okay? They, you, you know why they give teachers summer break? So that they come back, okay? That's why, and they're, there's, man, they're talking about going year-round. You know, there's a lot of places talking year-round, and it's, it's scary. I mean, it really is. I see teachers quitting all over the place if that would be the case. But in the fall, and, I, and this is what I asked, the question I asked on social media, and a, and a number of you that are teachers here at Silver Creek, you, you, uh, you gave me some shout-outs you know, and, and some answers, but how long does it take in the fall for those students to get back to the point that they were at in the spring when we let out, a, you know, we let out for the summer? Okay, and, and immediately there were those that said four weeks, some said four to six weeks. So in other words, once you get back in the, in the fall, it takes four to six weeks for those students to kind of, you know, refresh themselves and get back to the point when they stopped. There are, there are studies that say upwards of 30% of math and reading are lost over the course of the summer. And this, this really has been something that's been rolling around in my mind. And, and I, the UP is such a unique place to live. It is amazing. I, the, the rest of the world doesn't appreciate days like yesterday. It, it just doesn't appreciate them. They look at yesterday as winter, okay? We look at yesterday as it was sunny all day, you know. That's how we look at it. It was a wonderful thing. And so when, 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 when we get just that little bit of taste and we know that summer's coming, we, and it's been a long winter, and amen, it was a long winter. Are you with me? We start to get geeked up because summer's coming, okay? And I started to begin to think about the life of the church, as it, as it relates and as it compares even to what I just shared with you about our, our teachers and our students. I want to encourage you as the weather, it promises to get nice, okay? I even, I, in the 10-day forecast, I even saw a couple of days that said 70, and I'm like, I'm not going to depend on that. I'm not going to look too much at that because then we get our hopes up and then they just get dashed, okay? But, but let, me, let me say that as that, that starts to come, I want you to, I want to encourage you to stay engaged this summer. Let me share with you what I mean. Acts chapter 2. This is the early church. This is the first century. Jesus has, has ascended. The day of Pentecost has come. And, and now, verse 42, this is the church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now I want to share with you some different things that I want to encourage you to stay engaged in over the course of this upcoming summer that I think are very important. The first one is this, stay engaged with the presence of God. Did you hear that? Stay engaged with the presence of God. The early church, they met together on a continuing basis. They listened to the preaching of the apostles. They had fellowship. They ate together. They prayed together. And really the only place in in the entire community that was large enough to be able to hold them were the temple courts. There was a lot of space there. And so they would get together there and the apostles would share and they would minister to one another. And that was a great place. They saw many signs and wonders that were performed by the apostles And here's the interpretation that I get from that, and it is that they had church and God showed up in a powerful way. How many of you like it when we have church and God shows up in a powerful way? Man, that's, we love that. We love it when God shows up, when the Holy Spirit begins to move and we sense his presence. Now, God's presence can show up anytime and anywhere believers Get together in Jesus' name. Matthew chapter 18 says in verse 20, For where two or three are gather in my name, there am I with them. It's not about how many are present, but the idea of believers getting together as the body of Christ, it's the most foundational and basic activity that is found in the New Testament Scripture getting together as the body of Christ. Recently, I got a text message from a guy, and I I asked if I could share this, and he said I I had permission to do so. I won't out his name, but uh, he had just got back from a conference where there was about 7,000 people who came from around the country to listen to well-known pastors and worship leaders, uh, different speakers, and here was his comment to me. He said, one thing that struck me, though, I feel God and the Holy Spirit much more in our church than at the conference with 7,000 people and nationally renowned pastors and worship bands. I feel incredibly blessed to be part of such an amazing church. And what he said, that's not a, I'm not saying that to, to talk about this church. I'm saying this, that we can gather and we can sense and feel the presence of God on a regular basis as part of the body of Christ. Amen? We have that joy, we have that blessing that we are able to do that. The reality, though, about summer is this, that, that not just, it's not just even vacations, but, but there are some times when folks will, they'll disappear for three months. 
they'll, they'll disappear and they'll come back again uh, in the fall. And, and when, when people fall into that habit, and in the, in the UP, we know one thing, that when spring finally gets here, when summer gets here, we know that winter is coming again, so we better get out and we better do something. And that is something that is understandable. It's a part of our culture. But the thought occurred to me that if a student loses significant gains in their learning over the course of the summer, what happens to the average believer who may disengage throughout the course of a summer? What happens to them? How long does it take for them? Because the old saying is, if you're not growing, you're dying. So if we're growing and then summer hits and we're no longer here, what happens in our lives? What happens to those gains? How long does it take for us to get those gains back again? Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, the writer of Hebrews says this, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. All over, there was a repetition to it. Why? Because gains that they had were lost. And I want us to be encouraged that we would stay engaged. When we are disengaged over the course of a period of time, we can expect that we're going to feel disconnected. We're going to feel disconnected from the body of Christ. We're going to feel disconnected even sometimes from God. We're going to lose out on the encouragement that we would normally receive from others in our church family. We're going to feel disconnected from the vision of the church. We may even forget some of the things that, that God has put in our hearts. Well, and we've been talking a lot about kingdom builders. We may be gone for a while and like that, that just totally slips our mind. What's kingdom builders? And we lose ground. We lose ground in our relationships. We lose ground in our fellowship. Our spiritual growth is impacted because we're not getting together and being encouraged as we worship together and experience God's presence as the body of Christ. Somebody says, now wait a minute, preacher, hold on. I can experience the presence of God away from church. The answer to that is absolutely yes, you can. But do you really put yourself in that position? Do you put yourself in that position where you say, man, I want to get into the presence of God. The time that we spend together in worship, the time that we spend together listening to and responding to the word of God is so valuable to us as believers. And I don't want you to lose out on what you've already gained. Secondly, I want you to stay engaged with sharing. Acts 2, it says they were together. They, they had things in common. They gave to those that were in need. The early church had a list of people who regularly were fed by the church. They made it a practice of giving specifically to meet the needs of others. One of the promises of Scripture that we sometimes stand on in our lives is from Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19 when it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. 
Now that promise is a promise that we stand on, but that promise is a promise that is based on verses that come before it where the Philippians were uh, sharing in Paul's troubles. In chapter uh, 4, verses 15 and 16 there, it says, Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. The Philippians were meeting needs while Paul was taking the gospel to others. Jesus' own brother James speaks about joining our faith and our works, and he writes in James chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? Let me ask you a question. Do you, when you're sitting in your living room and you're watching TV, do you ever hear the golden tones of Sarah McLaughlin coming across the airwaves? And you see the pictures of the little puppies that have no one to care for them. What do you want to do when you see? You want to save all, you want to get them all. You want to, let's just go get, honey, let's get the truck, let's just go get all the puppies, Okay. Let's just, my wife said, okay, I'm speaking hypothetically. (laughs) Don't we want to do that? We want to do that. Why? Because we just, we just saw the pictures. We were exposed to the need. And that caused us to want to jump into action. We want to save all those puppies. When we get together as a church, we're reminded that God has called us to serve others, to share with them. And when we get together, we're reminded that God is the source of all we have. He's the source of our strength. He's the source of my ability. He's the source of our opportunities, our resources, and our passions. Again in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16, he says, And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. In July this summer, July 15th through the 19th, we're going to have uh, something that we call Serve Week. We had it last year. Um, it was a little bit different time frame. Last year we did it in September. This year we wanted to do it uh, in July because we love teachers, you know, and, t- and teachers aren't teaching. So we thought maybe we could scoop a couple teachers up that would join us this year. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to have a great time. We're going we're gonna to put a roof on a house this summer in July. We're going to uh, give opportunity for people to serve uh, down at the warming center. We're going uh, to give people the opportunity to ser- serve at the care clinic. We're going to give the opportunity for people to serve the needs of others. They can make meals. We're going to give people the opportunity to, to help sort clothes. We're, we're taking another trip down to uh, New Threads of Hope in the next couple of weeks to pick up a load uh, of 
of brand new clothing that we will be giving away here in our community. And we can't do that unless we can get it sorted, unless we can get it divided up by size, unless we can figure all those things out. And so we're giving you those opportunities. Why? To serve one another, to love other people. And when we're out of the habit of gathering together as the church, we lose sight of those things. I want to encourage you to stay engaged. Thirdly, I want to encourage you to stay engaged with the mission and the vision of the church. The church of Acts chapter 2, they were taking in the preaching of the word by the apostles. They were fellowshipping together. They were spending time in prayer together. They were experiencing God's presence. They were meeting the needs of others. They were having meals together. They were worshiping God together. Uh, they, and the body of Christ, the, the kingdom of God was growing as a result. People were getting saved. They were coming to the Lord. And I believe that as a church, Silver Creek Church is called to build the kingdom of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Every one of us plays an important role in the mission and the vision of the church. The writer of Proverbs says this in Proverbs 29, verse 18. He said, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. The word revelation that's used in the New International Version. In the King James, it says where there is no vision. And that really, when you look at that in the Hebrew, it means the idea of vision, but it also means the preaching of the word. And when it says it casts off restraint, it literally means that people are running in all sorts of different directions. And when I think about summertime in the UP, that's exactly what I think of. We are all running in different directions. And my prayer for us is that we will be able to be engaged together still as the body of Christ. And if we disengage, we're going to get disconnected from that vision. We have a vision here at Silver Creek Church to literally reach around the world, to, to reach people, whether they're, they're right here in our own community or they're around the world. We want to partner with people strategically. We're partnering with Madison and, and lead Missions International in just a little bit. I, I, I have the privilege, I'm going to be accompanying Madison and Claudia this year and their team to Africa. We want to partner together with them. We want to allow God to use us literally around the world. We want to have outreach right here in our own community. And none of these things stop over the summertime. In fact, honestly, they probably intensify over the summer. We want to be able to feed people. We want to be able to clothe people. We want to be able to meet needs that they have. And we've been commissioned by Jesus to take the gospel into all the world. But if we don't come together, if we're all going in different directions, we may not be able to do that. I want to close with just a couple quick thoughts. I can't stand giving credit to this individual necessarily for this quote. Forgive me, but it's such a great quote, I have to share it with you. 
Woody Allen said 80% of success is just showing up. Let me illustrate. Did you work out this week? Did you go to the gym? If you did, you probably laid there in bed and you thought, oh, this is so hard. And you weren't even working out. You were just in bed. Just the thought, just the thought of getting out of bed and getting your workout clothes on and driving to the gym was tough. And when you get there, 80% of all the work has been done. Phil, am I right? 80%. If you just get there, that's the hard part. The workout part is actually easy compared to getting there. Friends, I want to tell you something. Going to church is not the goal because going to church doesn't save us. I listened to a fantastic message this week by Craig Groeschel, and he said, don't go to church. Now, that's a brave pastor. Don't go to church. He followed that up with, be the church. Don't go to church. Be the church. He tells a story of meeting someone at the lake near the marina that said, oh, I go to your church. I go to your church. And he said, he said hey, man, are you in, a, are you in one of our, 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 our connect groups? No. What, what campus do you go to? They got a ton of campuses. Ah, they didn't know what campus it was called. How often? When's the last time you were there? Well, I, Easter. <laughs> I go to your church. Don't go to church. Be the church. I believe ultimately that's what God is calling us to. The goal is to draw near to God, to encourage others who are part of God's family, and ultimately to be ready for Jesus' return. It's pretty basic. Stay engaged. Stay engaged with his presence. Stay engaged with sharing what God has given you. And stay engaged with the mission and, and vision of the church. I don't know anybody. And in over 30 years of ministry, no one has ever come up to me and said, Pastor, since I stopped going to church, I've grown in the Lord so much more. It's never happened. Never happened. One of the things that Jesus tells us to do as the church is to remember his death until he comes. My prayer for us as the body of Christ is that throughout the summer months, we engage, we stay engaged. We stay engaged. Engaged with the presence of God. And yes, you can experience that on a daily basis. You can get alone with God in your home. You can get alone with God and you can feel his presence and you can spend time in his word and prayer and worship and you can do that. But stay engaged with the body and the worship and the presence of God that we experience here. 